Hey everyone, we're doing a live stream of Locked On MLB, and we better do it live because if we're going to be talking about the Chicago White Sox, which we are, let me tell you something. They change so often. One day they're sub 500. The next day they can't be beaten. You have to do it live because in a minute or so, everything will be changed. Nick Morawski of Locked On White Sox are here to join us. This is Locked On MLB. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast where we talk about all of Major League Baseball. And because I'm live, you see me fumbling with the little things on the side. That's what it's all about. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan, from my lower third, which is trying to pop on. There it is. There it is. When you're your own producer and you're doing everything yourself, you don't even know that, but I'm telling you right now, I, as you can tell by my skills, I'm an Emmy-nominated television producer, which I actually am. And I've been a baseball podcaster for the last decade or so. I've uh, been appearing on TV. I've been a comedian, a filmmaker, a lot of other things, been a teacher. But right now I'm here talking to you, specifically you, about the state of baseball. You can follow us at Locked On MLB Pods on both Twitter and on Instagram. And I am your pal, Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. You know, people have accused me of not, you know, focusing on just either the L.A. teams or the Northeastern teams. Well, this is, I think, our second White Sox-centric podcast in the last couple of days. But there's a reason why. They're interesting. And they are completely unpredictable. And I don't know what quite to make of them. So I think the best thing to do, instead of me trying to make heads or tails, let's bring in someone who's forgotten more about the White Sox than I'll ever know. Hey, it's uh, not Ben Kaspik. No, that would be terrible. No. <laughs> It's Nick Morowski of Locked On White Sox. Oh, tech issues. Come on. There you go. Is it back on? Yeah, you got it, Paul. You got okay, it. Okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. How yeah. you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Well, by the way, for, for those of you who are not watching us live, um, we the the game between the Mariners and the White Sox ended, what, five minutes ago? Yeah. Ten yeah. minutes ago? So we, we, we said when we were doing our – Texting back and forth, uh, setting this one up. We said, uh, "Let's uh, let's hop on when the game ends." And and uh, man, we were true to our word today. Uh, this was a this was a nail biter game. This got a lot closer than it, than it should have, especially in that. Uh, let's just be kind and call it an interesting ninth inning. Yeah, you know, I got to give uh, the Mariners a lot of credit. They came into town, what, two, three in the morning, their time from that game against Cleveland that had a four yeah. and a half hour rain delay. And yeah. um, I, they looked a little sluggish at the beginning, but man, they had some fight at the end. Hendricks, Hendricks can be a bit of a cardiac kid, uh, the way he can finish games. He'll make it interesting, but 99 mile per hour fastball uh, to end it. Uh, Obviously, no shortage of emotion from him, and I think the fifth win now under uh, acting manager Miguel Cairo. Yeah, I, I just want to talk a little bit about that, that that final inning where they they held up the runner. There was a double that was that kind of that blue Posada type double 
I call it Posada because it's it's like the one he hit off of uh, uh, Pedro in uh, the ALCS. It was not like a rip double into the gap. But they held the runner at third. Um, I thought the game was tied when that ball was hit. And they throw, they held the runner at third. And it turned out to be the right call by the third base coach for Seattle because he would have been he would have been a dead duck. But um, I don't know. I always I, maybe I'm an overly aggressive third base coach in my head, but I'm always in the mindset of you you have to force them to make a great throw. If it goes up the line, if it's slightly off, all of a sudden the game is tied and it's a whole different thing. But uh, when that ball went uh, went over the infield. Were you thinking this game was going to be knotted up, or, or am I just you know I, the the fact that the White Sox made a, a change and they brought in Adam Engel to play right field, and uh, you know he didn't start the game. Andrew Vaughn yeah. was out there. If Andrew Vaughn, who is a lifelong first baseman and who's playing outfield for the Chicago White Sox, uh, if he was still out there, I yeah. think Seattle would have ran on his arm as anybody should. He doesn't have yeah. a strong, accurate arm. Uh, Engel's got speed. Uh, and he's got a serviceable arm out there. So I'm not surprised that uh, they decided to, you know, pump the brakes on that. Right, right. Well, um, by the way, I want to just, I got to give credit, a little bit of credit to the the White Sox front office this year. Uh, and to, you know, give a, give some love to Kenny Williams and company and Rick Hahn because they've picked up the, who was the big hero today offensively? Elvis Andrews. Yeah, and Elvis defensively, Anderson. and defensively, yeah. yeah. And especially with the injuries to, uh, you know, Moncada and Anderson, to plug in a infielder, he's only been there for like two or three weeks, I think, for Oakland let him go. And yeah. they found a, you know, a veteran, and he's played quite well there, thank you very much, since he's since arriving there. And being able to insert a veteran, and today he homered, and doubled and had showed a great glove and yes you'd rather have tim anderson out there of course you know at at shortstop but you know handing the car keys over to a veteran for the last few weeks uh you know i think is one of the reasons why they've you know they've been playing right and you've been having the managers pushing the right buttons and this is of course the same gm who picked uh, johnny cueto off the scrap heap earlier this year and Cueto had an unbelievable couple of weeks in the last in the White Sox turnaround yeah you can fill multiple episodes on Johnny Cueto I feel like I have and just what he has done uh at his age and he didn't start the season with the White Sox you know that that was uh he joined a little bit later and and what he's been able to do, just quality starts. And uh, he is a joy to watch. Uh, so that that was huge. Where would the Sacks be without Johnny Cueto? Crazy to think about that. And lately, where would the Sacks be without Elvis Andrews? I mean, last seven games, I think three home runs, nine RBIs. He had a big series uh, this past weekend against the Minnesota Twins on the south side. Uh, he plays the game right, much needed after Anderson went down. And then we had a utility guy, Danny Mendick, who was having a great year. He went down for the year. And, you know, we, we've had a ton of injuries. So to be able to add him to the roster, and now he's hitting in the leadoff spot, and he looks pretty comfortable at it. Yeah, and, and the White House have proven something that I've been saying for years. I, I can't remember. If, I, I know I talked to one or two of the lockdown hosts about it. I may have brought it up to you. I've been begging teams like the the Marlins or the Pirates to 
adhere to this mindset, which is uh, if you have a chance to plug in a veteran who wants to prove their worth and it costs you nothing, do it. You know, I mean, like think of Andrews, who has been an all-star, has played in the World Series, has played on the highest level, has been a fine player, who was in an Oakland team that was going nowhere in a hurry. And you're not asking him to be an all-star over 162 games. You're asking him to sort of, you know, have that little jolt of adrenaline back and say, oh, it's fun to go to a ballpark again and, and you know, and play well. I've always been a big Johnny Cueto fan since he was in Cincinnati. Obviously, he, he remains the last pitcher to throw a complete game in the World Series with his complete game effort with Kansas City. And he was with the Giants for many years. And even though he really only had one sort of, you know, all-star caliber season with San Francisco, he was always a fan favorite there. And he always, you know, he he won some big games for him and contributed last year's, um, you know, division title. And I think the fact that the Whites, there was a bunch of teams that I just felt, why aren't you grabbing at Johnny Cueto right now? And when the White Sox did... Look what they got. I mean, they're, is he the ace? No, but he's a solid two or three for a potential playoff team. Yeah, when Lance Lynn, when we realized that he was going to have to have uh, knee surgery and he wasn't going to start the year with the White Sox, uh, it's, you know, front office had to scramble. Uh, great pickup, great scouting on Johnny Cueto to bring him in. And uh, what he has also done is he's been a vocal leader and – you know, calling the team out, uh, you know, when a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago, when there was just no fire and swagger from this White Sox team, a team that was supposed to have fire and swagger. And he, you know, as a veteran and he's been able to, he's been putting up the numbers. Uh, he was able to say that and people started to listen like, wait a second. Yeah, we need it. We need to look in the mirror here. We got to figure some things out. Well, do you know what he did? I'll tell you exactly what he did. He gave the team a big boost of energy, which they they desperately needed. Otherwise, they'd be flat. And you know what? It's kind of like when you have a built bar. Have you tried the built bar puffs yet? If you're not, you're depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Ready? Delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. And that's right. Built bar has done it again. Let me introduce you, Nick, and everyone else to your new favorite cookie dough chunk puff huh it's like it's like playing delicious wordle with those games have a light and chewy texture real cookie dough chunks and of course they're covered in 100 real chocolate all the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of you know making cookie dough which as we all know is a long process guess what it's also healthy for you unlike cookie dough cookie dough Chunk puffs are only 160 calories and a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. Run, don't walk, or you know, go on your device to built.com and snag a box for you, your family, your loved ones. Heck, Halloween's right around the corner. It'll be the perfect trick or treat. Or you can find a really good hiding place and hoard them for yourself because you're selfish. Like all built bars. The new cookie dough chunk puff is covered with 100% real chocolate. You could say that again. That means they're healthy and tasty. And with a light, fluffy texture, they're so good. What's great about Built is that all the bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. 
you, Nick, and everyone else who can hear my voice are going to love the cookie dough chunk puff. Whether you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, or you just want to grab a bite, Built Bar is the perfect protein bar, and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat, and sugar. Grab yourself a Built Bar, or as they call them in Boston, a Built Bar. Go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15. Get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for Built Bar. And sing that jingle with me. Built Bar. Go to Built.com. Okay, we're here with Nick Morosky of Locked on White Sox. Um, what's your favorite Built Bar? Uh, there was a brownie, wasn't there, a couple months ago? Yeah, go and and I am a work. I'm a workout. Guy. I will have it before a workout, and it's true. Uh, they uh, absorb, you know, the the water in your system, and I feel like I have more energy. I, they're very tasty. Love them. Yeah. I'm a big raspberry. I love the raspberry. I love the tanginess with the strawberry. But there you go. Hey, look at that. We just added to the Built Bar read. We went beyond the script. That's how much we actually love Built Bars. Just wait till the Blue Chew ad later this week. Um, you uh made a. By the way, uh, one last note about the uh, the Monday White Sox Mariner game. Uh, Lance Lynn looked great, struck out eleven Mariners, and as you said, they were coming in a little staggering from the uh, from the long flight. But do you know what? You know he had the he had to pull it off. Seven innings, three hits, no earned runs, eleven strikeouts to one walk. I mean, that's that's the kind of strikeout-to-walk ratio you kind of sort of want from a starting pitcher. Yeah, it's his it's a fourth start in a row now where he is allowed one earned run or less. So I feel like he is getting into the groove. Uh, he was throwing all different kinds of things at the Mariners on Monday night. Changeup, which normally he sticks with a variety of different fastballs. Uh, he had he had it going on. He looked comfortable. He looked in control. I I thought maybe he was going to go out for the eighth. I mean, he was at 89 pitches. Uh, his innings have been pretty efficient. I have seen too many games where a starter is locked in and they go to the bullpen and, you know, the game kind of starts crumbling after that. But, you know, Graveman kept them in check. But Lance Lynn is a guy that the Sox need down this stretch. Absolutely need. I'm glad, glad he's looking healthy and, and the numbers are showing it. And think about this. I mean, I'll jump ahead a little bit here. Uh, But if they make the postseason and you have Cease, Cueto, and Lynn going against whoever they'll be be facing in that wild card round, um, that's pretty solid. That's that that would be as solid as look at I've been praising Cleveland's pitching all year and Cleveland does have very good pitching. There's no getting around that. But the White Sox with their pitching staff. If they make the postseason, and again, I'm putting many, many horses before the cart here, but you know, there's only 25 some odd games left. They're within they're they're a modest winning streak and a modest losing streak from the other teams from being in first place by themselves. And at this point of the year, it's it's basically a coin toss. Um, you put that you put this team, you know, with with three good starters. Their their bats hitting the way that they are, and you know, in a short series against either a flawed Yankee team or a Astros team that's not gonna that may not be having Verlander. Uh, I, I I'm not saying it's 2005 all over again, <laughs> but I am saying that 
I would give them I oddly I give them a better shot this year than I did last year when they won the division and they were a better team overall. Well, they uh you know, they had what a 10 game lead in 2021. Uh, they won the division comfortably. Yeah. Uh, I feel like the last 3 weeks of the season, if not more, didn't mean much. Um guys were getting rest and and a lot of fans were saying, well, "Wait a second, shouldn't we get some momentum going? Shouldn't we get these guys kind of going into the postseason with a running start, but it was all about, you know, rest and this, that, and the other from uh, La Russa and the front office. But right, right now, every game, match, I mean, these guys are backs against the wall. Uh, they they had a team meeting uh, right before the Minnesota series, I think Thursday, Friday, talked about, you know, hey, Miguel Cairo's in charge right now. We don't know when, if if ever, if Tony La is coming back. You know, let's start playing like the team we know we can, have some fun, let it all hang out. And and you're right. If I had to take, uh, you know, my, my chances with Cease, Cueto, and Lynn, I, I feel pretty confident with it. And with the way the Sox have been playing lately, the last week offensively, hitting uh, you know, multiple home runs in games, that just wasn't happening before. Uh, it, guys are picking each other up, and, and it's great to see. You know, I think one thing that happened last year, and I'm not going to speak for White Sox fans, or this is just my own observation. The fact that the White Sox clinched with about, what, three weeks left or something crazy like that, they were the first team to clinch because the rest of the division was just, there was no other contenders in the division last year. But because of that, they also knew that they they knew that Tampa was going to have the top spot and they were going to play the winner of the wild card round. So they knew very early on they were going to play whoever came out of the West. It was very obvious it was going to be Houston. You know, once Oakland and Seattle, you know, it was clear they weren't going to catch Houston, that it was clear that it was going to be Chicago and Houston. And while that was a fine matchup in 2005, it did not look – it was clearly in the favor of Houston last year. So there was a sort of like two weeks of, oh, yeah, they're going to be in the playoffs, but we know it's going to be against Houston. Hmm. and. You know, when they when they lost those first two games, yeah, I know they won the third game and it was a ton of fun and everyone was wearing the black shirts and everything like that. But I I just got the sense there was a sense of inevitability of, okay, this is probably not going to, you know, it'll be a huge upset. And they just looked overmatched. This year, I think they will be playing with some, you know, amps behind them. And a little, you know, again, they... They still have to win the division, but they've been showing that they may be the best equipped team down the stretch. And you're not asking to play the best over 162. You're only asking to play the best over 25 games. Yeah. I mean, they're a scary team right now, as you and I are are talking. Uh, They shouldn't be this close. They shouldn't be two games uh, behind the Guardians. But Nobody wanted to put the sacks away. It almost seems like nobody wants to win the AL Central to begin with. Uh, and here the sacks yeah. are, you know, with a resurgence. And again, I don't know how good Miguel Cairo is of a manager, but this team is different. And the things that have been said in the media and in the press over the last four or five days, I mean, you, you don't have to read between the lines. Um, like they, the, the players feel it. They, they know something different is going on. And, and the results show it. And uh, if you've watched enough White Sox baseball this year, it's a complete switch uh, in energy. So 
They've got four more still with the Guardians. They've got a bunch of games against the Twins, maybe six more games with the Twins. They end the season uh, against the Twins at home. Uh, so right. like, like you had mentioned at the top, I mean, this division, I, I do think it's going to be, it's going to be a tight one. It's going to come down to the last, you know, week or so, maybe the last few days, it's going to be an exciting, uh, brand, exciting brand of baseball, I hope. And the fact that the Sox are here now, uh, even though they shouldn't be, I, I hope they take advantage of it. All right, we're let's do our final segment here with uh, Nick Morawski from Locked On uh, White Sox. I want to bring up something because, again, I, I just full disclosure, I don't really have a dog in the AL Central fight. I have a soft place in my heart for Cleveland, Minnesota, and Chicago. For me personally, any one of those teams, I I wouldn't mind seeing do well. So it, it it's kind of the most interesting thing for me that those three teams are in a dog fight. And I'm perfectly fine with any of them winning. Uh, you're my guest today, so clearly I'm a rabid White Sox fan today. Uh, what you had mentioned about Larusa, and again, I am I, I I have to always put this disclaimer: Larusa's in the Hall of Fame as well. He should be. He's an all-time great manager. He is, and uh, and 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 I've never been a fan of his personally, but I've always respected. Obviously, you can't help but respect the guy. He's one of the only two managers in baseball history to have managed a World Series title in both leagues. He's managed a world. He's managed a team to the pennant in the eighties, nineties, two thousands, and two thousand tens. I mean, that's four decades with a Larusa managed uh, team in the World Series. You can't help but you know respect that. But I always thought he was the wrong choice for this White Sox team. I, I we all know this is Jerry Reinsdorf trying to be Superman spinning the world backwards and redoing it. Um, I, I, I Larus had the greatest ride off into the sunset moment by winning game seven of the 2011 world series. He may have had another great moment, managed him to the playoffs last year and said, okay, look, I still got it. And, you know, and then write off and make him the vice president of beans and Franks and Franks and beans, give him a, a title. And so you're not firing him in an odd way. Him having this undisclosed illness is the best thing to happen to the White Sox. I hate to say it, but removing him from the team is similar to what happened with Philadelphia. The nanosecond Rob Thompson took over for Joe Girardi, another fine manager who's who I have tons of respect for, but the team seemed to relax the nanosecond that uh, uh, Thompson took over Philadelphia. And my God, what has the team done since uh, 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 Miguel Cairo took over the White Sox. It's, it, it, the, the proof is right in, on the field. Yeah, you, you didn't uh, want this to go that way. It's, I, I didn't want uh, La Russa to leave. You know, I, I, I wasn't issue, w- wishing him ill will. I wasn't hoping not. that of he wasn't not, getting, yeah. you know, sick. But a lot of Sox fans, you know, we talked about this throughout the season. If La Russa was to go... They, they would definitely have to save face. He would have to be protected somehow. And we were thinking, well, maybe he would step away and just say, you know, for family reasons, for whatever. Well, that's what Go I ahead. was meaning. That's what I was meaning when I said to promote him. Like, say he's actually, yeah. you know, he's he's 80. You know, at the, the strain of the the going on the road. So we're giving a, a promotion to the, yeah. the front off. I, that's why that's what I meant by that. It's like a way to have him. We're not firing him. We're actually promoting him. And I don't think a soul in the world would have looked cross-eyed on that. 
No, and and it was the way it happened. It came after a a sweep at the hands of the Arizona Diamondbacks at home, yep. and that was the lowest of the low for for me and for a lot of uh, you know family members, Sox fans in my life. The fan base was just it was it. I mean, you were seeing signs. I'm sure you saw this. Sell the team banners at yeah. Sox Park. Sell the team. You haven't seen that uh, before, and. Here we go, you know, after the Monday loss to the Royals, um, another dejecting loss. Then we find out second game of the series, you know, he's out indefinitely. And uh, the way the players found out was also really interesting. They found out through social media, Rick Hahn, Kenny Williams, Jerry Reinsdorf. Nobody spoke to the players directly to tell them what was going on. They just kind of hurt it. So that, you know, if you're a conspiracy theorist, I mean, this isn't a far stretch. He might not be coming back, Tony Larusa. No, I wouldn't. It wouldn't stun me. But wow! So they had to. They wow! The the players found out through freaking TikTok, Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. that's unreal. But like, the, think about the games. I mean, I mentioned that you had the the crazy walk off game with the hit by pitch and the hit by pitch that wasn't the hit by pitch, and then the infield, and then you had Cease coming within one out of a no hitter. You had today's back and forth game with Seattle. Uh, I, I want to just mention this because not maybe not everyone's been paying attention to the White Sox as close as you have. They've been a, obviously a, a, an astonishingly underachieving team that were just a game of that were at 500 at the trade deadline. So you don't know what the hell to do then. And then they went on a great run and they got to within a, when they won the first two games against Houston. Uh, in the middle of August, they got to within one game of first place. And then they just went on a slide. I think they lost like 19 out of 21 games. or some, It was something bananas yeah. like that where they went from w- one game out to six games out and three or four games under 500. And on like the last two days of August. So at that point, you say it's over. You're, you're oh, six sure. games out. You're three or four games under 500. You look dead for the neck up. The season's over. And yeah. now, you know, I'm, I'm full disclosure right now, the uh, the the Royals and w- when we're recording this, the Royals and the uh, Cleveland Guardians are still playing each other. So I don't know what the final result is that's going to be. But worst case scenario, is there going to be the day after Labor Day, the be- worst case scenario is two games out. Yeah. With a slew of games against Minnesota and Cleveland and three of the best pitchers, especially if Lynn is back to firing on all cylinders, like his last two games, the game against he won against Kansas City and the game he won against uh, uh, Seattle this afternoon. He looks like Lance Lynn of old. Yeah, and, and they got Luis Robert back, who hasn't played since August 25th. Yoan Mankata will be in the lineup uh, tomorrow. He hasn't seen him since late August. Uh, Aaron Bummer is finally back. He hasn't pitched in the out of the bullpen since June 7th. And Tim Anderson can still come back maybe around September 20th. Uh, this team is different. Uh, the first game of the Minnesota series where they won that crazy game where we thought it was a hit by pitch, then it wasn't. Yeah. Um, what happened in that game late in the game? Reliever uh, for Minnesota, Lopez is his last name. They got him he from hit, Baltimore. Yeah. He hit Andrew Vaughn high on the body, upper shoulder, and to load the bases in the ninth. And Andrew Vaughn has already been hit in the face this year. Kenny gave Lopez a look like, what are you doing? 
now now that wasn't intentional but still just kind of gave him a look Lopez kind of lost his mind a little bit and started chirping back. Well, that was a bench-clearing moment led by Lance Lynn. He is, from what we understand, a vocal leader. And guess who else is out there yelling at Rocco Baldelli? Miguel Cairo. Would Tony La Russa be doing that? Probably not. Uh, Maybe, but I'm going to say probably not. Miguel Cairo is Venezuelan. Who else was Venezuelan? Ozzy. Again. Are you going to tell me that Miguel Cairo is going to pull a Mission Impossible, <laughs> rip the mask off? It's going to be Ozzy underneath there. <laughs> hey, the way this season's been dun, going, dun, you know, dun, 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 dun. I don't want to get us in trouble with copyright. But uh, uh, hey, by the way, I'm going to throw in another name here because he doesn't have the best stats, but it seems that every single time I check on the White Sox, Gavin Sheets has gone two for three or got a key hit. Or like he just—he always seems to be in the middle of these rallies and comebacks. You know, he may not be the star of the team, but he just strikes me as someone who is that—that that spark plug that keeps rallies moving and everything like that. Am I have I uh, am I overestimating his value, or am I just being selective in the highlights I've seen, or or is, or is Cheats really just sort of spent he, this um... uh, second half of the season? Well, you know, he's, had a, he's had a tale of, of two different seasons. He spent uh, a few weeks down in AAA, and he yeah. credits that time in Charlotte uh, is a key factor in, in helping him uh, just understand his approach a little bit better. I, I don't have to drive everything. I don't have to pull everything. If there's an outside pitch, I can take it the opposite way, You know, just kind of flick it for a base hit and uh, live to see another day where I might get a fastball to my liking and drive that uh, over the fence, which he has been doing uh, a lot of. The problem with Gavin Sheets is he's kind of a man without a home. He's a natural first baseman, and we have too many of those on the White Sox. So he is being pushed out to right field, and he's not a right fielder. And, you know, he's been struggling out there. I know he's trying, and he's trying to get better, uh, but – Game on the line, there's going to be a defensive replacement for sure. So with a righty on the mound, Gavin Sheets has been seeing a lot of playing time, and he has been a different guy since the beginning of the season for sure. I mean, for a while there, he was the only guy providing any power for the White Sox. Well, look at, man, we got about, look, we got, you know, the Labor Day is in our rearview mirror. And in some ways that I think about how you break the season down, you got there's a couple of checkpoints like Memorial Day is roughly the one third mark of the season. And then you have like the all star break where you can sort of assess where you are. You have the trade deadline. I think Labor Day is the last sort of marker before the end. Like now there's less than a month. And when you think about, you know, it, it would you, imagine looking at the standings in April and trying to treat them like they're worth anything. And he's like, it's only 25, 26 games. It's, it's like, what do you, it's, it, it doesn't tell you anything. Well, that's the amount of games we have left. So you have three teams that, again, as, as we're recording right now, Cleveland is ahead of Kansas City, but only by one. So who knows? The, the KC can come back. You, you could potentially have three teams within one game of each other. And at that point, all the prognosticating and scouting and everything means exactly diddly. And it just comes down to, I mean, look at, look at, 
like matchups we've had even this last week where you had the the Nationals going into uh, I almost said Shea Stadium to City <laughs> Field. You had Patrick Corbin who's having a historically horrible year against Max Scherzer. The Nationals win that game. And the Nationals wound up smacking around St. Louis, who looked like world beaters. So you have bad teams saying, hey, this is our last chance to have a meaningful moment. So you just, at this point, every game is just flip a coin. and But if you have to flip a coin, it's good if 60% of your starts are by Cueto, Cease, and Lance Lynn. And I hate to say it, all due respect, without having some of the decisions being made, by LaRusse at this point. Absolutely. Um, you know, again, I'll, I'll say it again. The, the sack should have been buried a long time ago. The fact that they weren't, they believe now. now. Now they're starting to believe after this week of baseball and it's been high energy. And, you know, they, they're, they've been known this season not to win the first game of a series. It, it, the right, numbers right. are crazy. What did they do? They won the first game of the series against Minnesota. What did they do on Monday? They won the first game against Seattle. And and the West Coast has been tough for the White Sox over the years. I don't know how things are going to work out the rest of this week. But again, this is a different team right now. Uh, And they're getting some guys healthy. You know, Kopech should be back as well. Um, It's exciting. It really is for Sox fans. Well, Johnny Cueto is going on Tuesday against Logan Gilbert. Logan Gilbert's a fine pitcher for Seattle. Uh, the other two to take an, keep an eye on, the Yankees, who do, who the hell knows what you're getting out of the Yankees these days? Some days they look like the they look like a triple-A team. Some days they look like world beaters. You have Garrett Cole going up against Joe Ryan. Um, again, I have no idea who Garrett Cole is anymore. Sometimes I'm like, he's the Cy Young frontrunner, and sometimes he should be DFA'd. And then um, Shane Bieber is pitching for Cleveland. Obviously, Bieber is an outstanding pitcher, but he's had dumb luck. And uh, Chris uh, Bubeck, who a grand total of the Bubeck family knows who he is, but he's actually pitched well occasionally. So he's a talent. So you don't know. Every single day, it's going to be like this. And and it's going to be so – if you're a White Sox fan, it's going to be cardiac time. But if you're like me, the puppet master sitting from behind, just sort of watching it from afar, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Absolutely. Well, Nick Morowski, thanks so much for jumping on the show today. Uh, this was kind of last minute, but I, I've been wanting to have you on as I've been watching this this surreal for the surreal White Sox season unfolding. Um, I've been saying for the last couple of weeks, this is going to be a year where the pennant winner from the American League is going to be someone that you go, huh? Mm. You know, kind of like when the you know, like there's kind of like when the Royals won the pennant in 2014, or there's a couple of years where the Cardinals, like the Cardinals won the pennant with only 80 some odd wins. I really think because the Yankees are incredibly vulnerable and the Astros don't have Verlander um, and may not have him for the postseason. I think it's anybody's postseason if you punch your ticket. And if you're doing it with three good starting pitchers, it could be the White Sox. Yeah. I mean, why not the White Sox at this point? That should be the mantra right now. You know, why not? Why not us? Um, you know, it, it's it's they've got new life and they're going to take advantage of it. I mean, this could be like when the Rockies won the pennant in 07. Now, granted, that took one of the most unbelievable final two weeks of any. And also took the collapse of the Mets and 
um, San Diego. But that's a that's a subject for a hell. That could be that final month of the 07. That could be an entire Ken Burns episode. But I digress. Uh, Nick Morowski, uh, where can people follow you and your show? Uh, follow me on Twitter at Nick underscore GGTB and uh, host of Locked on White Sox. You can find that podcast absolutely everywhere you find your podcasts. Well, hey, and uh, you can find uh, our show on Twitter and Instagram. Same handle, which is Locked on MLB Pods. And if you see my lower third right there, I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter. Sully Baseball Podcast on instagram hey thanks so much for making locked on mlb your first listen every day and your second listen have that be locked on white Sox. who are we kidding but your third check out the ultimate pro football preview 2022 an eight episode extravaganza to get you ready for the nfl season the local team experts of the locked on podcast network plus a betting angle from lee sterling of locked on bets all combining into one ultimate nfl preview Search for the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Talking about the White Sox, a team that goes up and down so fast you might get the bends. With Nick Morowski of Locked On White Sox, I am your host of Locked On MLB, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please, please, I'm begging you, have a built bar and call me Sully. <laughs>